Welcome to the Exhorter Podcast, where we aim to stir up love and good works through bite-sized biblical discussion. Thank you for joining us once again. Today, we're going to be talking about a subject that I enjoy so much, um, and Kyle's going to lead us off here. Kyle, what are we going to talk about today? Today, I want to talk about joy. Joy is something that may feel elusive in these last couple years. We've had a, a pandemic that made everyone be quarantined in their own homes, and that was difficult. And more, more recently, we've had a difficult economic situation with heavy inflation and high gas prices, and you name it, everything's more expensive or uh, out of stock right now. And it just seems hard to find any joy in life at times when, when so much around you seems to be going wrong. Yet when I look in the scriptures, I find that joy is something that for the believer, can and should exist even in the most difficult or dark of times. So I wanted to begin in John chapter 15. Now in John's gospel, we get some of the I am statements of Jesus highlighted. I am the bread that fell from heaven. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the shepherd. And in John chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. Now, of course, in this illustration, we're the branches. So Jesus emphasizes that we are to have a strong connection to him as the true vine, and we must be bearing fruit. And if a branch doesn't bear fruit, it's pruned off and cast into the fire. It's it's not of value to him. We must be attached and strongly connected to the vine and bearing fruit. Now, Jesus segues this concept into verse 9, where he says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. So in this text, he talks about joy being full. Uh, first of all, what is joy to you? When we discuss the topic of joy, what, what comes to your mind? How would you define joy? Kyle, the first thing that comes to my mind um, when I read this passage is the joy that he's talking about. He adds some ownership to, he says, he wants my joy may be in you. So maybe one question is, uh, is the joy that he's talking about different than the joy that we may think of? Yeah, because when we look at the dictionary, you'll get a definition like a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. And that's something we often associate with the external appearance of joy, a big grin from ear to ear on your face or, or laughter, something like that. Yet I'm not sure that's what Jesus is describing here. It's something more internalized. You know, I'm glad you picked this chapter Kyle, but you know, John chapter 15 is actually one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, because if you think about what Jesus is doing here, this is near the end of his life. And he's talking to his disciples, trying to prepare them for his departure. And he says some things that in many ways don't make any sense to us and didn't to them at first. Right. I mean, when he ta he's talking about I'm going to be leaving, I'm going to be preparing a place for you. And they're like, what are you talking about? Where are you going? And he makes some of these statements that you know that this is not long before he was going to be dying an excruciating death. Yeah, and John's gospel really highlights that. The first half of the book just highlights a few separated weeks of his life with the backdrop of different yearly festivals in Jerusalem. But the second half, the entire second half of the book hyper-focuses on that last week of his life. The other thing he says that that kind of jumps out at me is... It, it's in this whole section that he, that he speaks about not just my joy, but, you know, even back in chapter 14, he talks about my peace. 
and he wants his peace to be in them. And so there's something about whatever he has that he wants them to have right at a crucial time. You know, you talk about if things are dark, it's difficult times. They were about to go into some really uncertain times. And yet he's saying, I want my joy to be in you. I'm, I'm going to be dying soon. I'm going to be leaving. But I want my joy to be in you. And that always jumped out to me. Just it seems odd that he's talking about joy right before some really, really hard times for himself and them. Yeah. And he talks about that in the next chapter. Now, of course, this is chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17 is almost one continuous dialogue from Jesus. And in verse 20 of chapter 16, he says, most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and you will lament, but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. He's talking about his impending death on the cross. You're going to have sorrow. The world's going to rejoice thinking that they've won. Satan's going to rejoice thinking that he defeated the Son of God. And you will feel defeated yourself. You will feel sorrowful, but that will be turned into joy. When we think of joy and we think of happiness, generally we think of that's a nice to have, right? That's an optimal thing to actually enjoy your life and to be happy. And and sometimes I think it's because we correlate that with um, a lot of man's grasping at joy or happiness in this world in a vain way, like people who get divorced saying, I just wasn't happy. Life is about being happy if it's not about anything. So, you know, yeah. I'm going to be happy. And so I think that that's, it's sometimes it's misused. And so that's why we brush it off. It's not important. Because there are some things in this world that we certainly enjoy and that bring us joy. Marriage ideally is supposed to bring joy. Being a parent, seeing your, your children born, take their first steps, ride a bike for the first time, those are moments that are pure joy and are meant to be enjoyed. But also they're moments that don't last. And sometimes joy seems elusive because it's it feels like it's out of our control, that when things are good, we can experience joy, but that's only because things are good. And so we chase after the right conditions, trying to recreate joy. But that's why I picked John chapter 15 as a starting point, because he talks about, I will make your joy full or complete, if you will, that there are moments that we enjoy in this life. But Jesus is talking about something that it's, it's a joy that endures. It's a joy that is that that can sustain us. And I think that's what people, like you said, are that's where a lot of divorce happens, where people are pursuing a joy that simply by its nature cannot sustain you. But we're we're fooled into thinking that it can. As we're kind of establishing what joy is in these kind of areas, there are some circumstantial factors that people attribute to joy in the world. And that's money, marriage, social life, negative emotions, age, health, education, and religion. And I bring that up because it is said that religious people are somewhat happier and more satisfied with life than non-religious people. Possibilities of this include more pro-social living and more social support. But religions also instill a sense of hope for the future, right? And create a meaningful life. Well, it's really a question of purpose in life. Are, are you just here to convert enough oxygen into carbon dioxide? And when you've hit your quota, then it's time to die. And then your, your existence is over. That's why people are searching for a cause. You see a lot of people that will, that will march or demonstrate or protest for a cause that they feel passionate about. You'll see people risk a lot for a cause they're passionate about. But does it bring them lasting joy? So, Kyle, it sounds to me when you're going back to your definition of joy, it's less an emotion 
and more a, a state of being experience when we're in a relationship with God. This is not based on there's good things happening in my life today, therefore I'm joyful. Yeah, it's not so circumstantial. And and Jesus will talk about that again in chapter 16. He will say that, therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. Then he talks about a joy that is resilient, that can overcome circumstances where your outward mood or your outward appearance will be sorrowful and that you will have those feelings of sorrow. And certainly when Jesus died, that was a very dark moment. And they felt that grief and sorrow. But he says there will also be joy, a joy that will sustain you through this, a joy that no one can take from you. He's saying that this joy is protected. It's something that no one can steal away from you. And so it's all predicated upon being strongly connected to Jesus. That's the key here is a lot of people chase after fleeting joy. But when you're strongly connected to Jesus, like a branch that thrives by being connected to the vine, when you keep the commandments of Jesus, like he said that he keeps the commandments of his father, when you abide in Jesus, then you find that joy. So it's really about what your purpose in life is. You know, Kyle, I had the chance uh, during VBS to uh, study and prepare a class about the Apostle Paul. And so I spent a lot of time looking at Paul and and looking at his writing, and in particular, 2 Corinthians. But one of the things he wrote in 2 Corinthians that kind of jumps out to me, adding to what you said, is in 2 Corinthians 8, beginning in verse 1, he says, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given to the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. You know, Paul is is constantly in the middle of these kind of circumstances, but he's talking about churches that in their affliction, but in the middle of that, he talks about their abundance of joy. And that just, it jumps out to me, especially in the writing of Paul with his relationship with Christ. Yeah, that's a great example of how even in dark circumstances or difficult times uh, that they're experiencing, they still found joy by serving God and serving others. And I heard a sermon once where where this was spoken of as collateral blessings. We often think of collateral damage, unintended consequences or unintended damage uh, as a result of something bad happening. But if we have our eyes open, we can see collateral blessings, unintended good things that happen from bad situations. Well, I want to I wrap up our conversation today in a very practical way. If we're still in Philippians, you notice in chapter two that Paul says in verse two, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Paul is telling them, you need to live and walk in a manner worthy of your calling in the gospel. And he says, if you do this, if you live like Christ by putting others first, if you pursue unity and peace and love one another being like-minded, he says, you're going to make my joy full or complete. So there's another sense in the Bible in which our joy can be made full by others. Now, I wanted to start with the idea that our joy is, our foundation for joy is in God and making Him our purpose and defining success in our life by how we further glorify Him or further the gospel message. But there is a sense in which 
our joy, almost like the cherry on top. Our joy is full, but it can, it can be topped off or put over the top by what others do. So I want to turn this around for you, the listener. What can you do to make someone else's joy complete? I love when I find correlations between knowledge today that men think is revolutionary in their, in their, in their own mind and seeing it years before in the Bible, right? Yeah. I, I love when I see that, right? I've discovered something new. Right. No, no, you've just discovered for yourself what God exactly. has already revealed. So, two tenets of positive psychology in, in practice is adding to your life practices around gratitude and practices around forgiveness. People will find more happiness and more joy in their life when they develop practices on sharing and giving gratitude to others and forgiving others. And that's kind of a, an alien thought because generally happiness is about what you bring to yourself, not what you can do to others. Unless you read, you know, verse four, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Just this idea that God already knows what's going to bring you that joy and that happiness in life. And it's not about you. It's about thinking about others first. If you can't find that joy in your own life, put your life's purpose into making other people happy. And like you said, that is what you just mentioned as a collateral blessing, right? What better way to make someone's joy complete than a compliment? Saying something nice to them. That's the idea of gratitude, being grateful. And boy, you want to talk about joy? There is so much joy in being forgiven. It, it it almost seems like Paul is 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 taking that concept of the joy he has from being forgiven, but by when he talks about making that joy complete, he gives us three things right there, you know, in that verse, you know, be, being of the same mind. This the idea that a group of people who have been forgiven, who are all focused on God, are of the same mind, who maintain the same love are united in spirit and intent on one purpose. If you want to see a group of people like that, you go back to the beginning of the New Testament and you see what happened back then. You see people that were motivated that even when they were persecuted, they went somewhere else and they just spread the word. What an amazing body we can be if we practice this, you know, maintaining this joy or making the joy complete by doing that together. And I've read this a lot of times, but never really thought through just really, that's what he's talking about is don't just look out for yourself, but we really need to work on doing this together. And that's part of how you make your joy complete. Do we have any practical, maybe I'll just ask Star Wars references. We haven't, there's been, there's, there's been no Star Wars references. We just trashed the whole, whole episode. I don't understand what was wrong with us. No Star Wars reference. Yeah. Is there a practical activity or or routine that you kind of go through to, to help you with this? I'll just say two quick things. If you turn on your radio or turn on the television, you don't see a lot of uh, positive things. You listen to music and you listen to the words they're singing. They're rarely hopeful uh, and they typically are filled with bad or sinful things. So for me, uh, trying to listen to you know, positive music that that talks about God, that's hopeful, that reminds me of just all the blessings that I have. That's one thing. Um, another that I remember when I was younger, I used to do was um, I just, somebody had given me a, a card. It had a picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and it had some verses on the back, but I had that on my desk. And I remember in 
I think it was probably in high school. Uh, if if I was ever struggling, I don't know why, but I would look at that picture, and it was Jesus alone in the Garden of Gethsemane, just you know, in that tough spot. But I think here, here's somebody who was alone, but overcame so much, and yet here he is talking about his joy and his peace. And for whatever reason, that just got me out of whatever funk I was in by by looking at that and reminding myself of what he went through and that I should try to be like him. Those two things helped me. So I, I remind myself that rejoicing is a choice. You know, in our text in Philippians, he says in verse 18 about those who are preaching Christ through false motives, wishing to do him harm. And, and Paul says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. But notice what he says. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. That has a tone of resilience to it. it. says, I am determined to rejoice in this. And I remind myself that it's a choice. Uh, you know, we almost always reference movies or pop culture in, in, in these podcasts. And there's a quote that always resonates with me. And sometimes when I find myself being gloomy or not very cheerful, uh, like when I'm driving home and I'm almost home and I'm just not in a good mood, I remember this movie quote. And it's probably a movie I shouldn't recommend, so the movie shall be nameless, but the quote is, get busy living or get busy dying. And it just shows a simple choice that you can choose to embrace life and pursue the things that make for joy. But if you're not, if you're only going to be halfway committed to that, then you're better off, you know, just kind of giving up altogether is is the point of that quote. But I like that it presents a choice. And so I remind myself, get busy living. Life is short. Your kids are only young for a certain amount of time. And I want my marriage to be awesome. And I want to glorify God with my family. So get busy living, be cheerful, and I will rejoice. Well, I'm going to give like a couple happiness habits real quick. Okay. So a lot of times people will journal the three gratitudes, you know, daily, three three things they're grateful for. They'll, maybe they'll do it daily, weekly, that kind of thing. Uh, journaling or writing those things down as a practice is really helpful. Conscious acts of kindness is a big one. I mean, just you're forcing yourself in thinking of something you're going to do for someone else on a regular basis. And it may feel robotic. It feels like it's forced, but it's all about habit forming, right? It's all about creating those things. Um, sometimes it's it's a fun 15 minutes of cardio. It's, it's, it's that distraction. It's, it's, you know, building yourself up, um, meditation, um, those kinds of things. So if, if you're looking for some practical things to add in your life that, you know, isn't exactly what we were talking about, um, you can do some of those happiness habits. Paul, um, songs, uh, anytime I flip on an acapella hymns track on Spotify or something, um, that usually just shifts my mind almost immediately towards something better. But what I really want to leave everyone with is is just the encouragement to understand where your joy comes from. If if your purpose in life is to glorify God, to further the gospel of Christ, then you can have joy no matter how bad the world seems around you, no matter how dark things might be. But also ask yourself every day for someone struggling right now through a dark chapter of their life, how can I make their joy complete? Joy comes from God, but I can add to that joy. I can make it more full. How can I help someone who's struggling through through something in life, through a difficult experience, through loss or through grief? How can I make their joy complete? For my husband, for my wife, how can I make their joy complete today? What can I do to put that little cherry on top? If God is the source of their joy, how can I just add to it? With my children, 
How can I make their joy complete today? So I want you to think every morning, I want you to wake up with that mindset. Look for ways that you can make the joy in others complete. Add to it just that little bit on top. At the end of the day, Kyle, it sounds like it's uh, what Paul says here is have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's about being like Jesus. It's funny. The key to joy is putting God first in your life and regarding others as more important than yourself. And if you pursue those two goals, you're going to find joy no matter how bad things are in your life. You're going to have that joy that no one can take away from you. I thank you for joining us. If you liked this, please like and subscribe and share it to your friends. We appreciate you. We appreciate your time. Have a good night.